Could the Oklahoma Sooners be making a return to the college football playoff? We'll talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation, and welcome to Locked On Sooners. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can also read my work covering the Oklahoma Sooners over at thesoonerswire.com. And joining me is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef and hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Josh, what's up, man? How you doing? What's going on, man? Hope you've had a terrific weekend. It's going to be a fun couple of weeks ahead as we are getting awfully, awfully close finally. I know we've said that for, what, the last couple of weeks and really the last month or so that, oh, man, it's right here. It's right here yep. with, with Big 12 Media Days and some of these other events building up to uh, the kickoff of the season. But, man, I mean, you start really tick-tocking down now to where we are inside of two weeks to Nebraska and Northwestern kicking off, which to me, I mean, that's kind of what I'm looking at, the target date, right, for the start of the 2022 college football season. So it it truly, John, it's here, it's upon us. And we've got what, our first, uh, maybe there's another expert out there that this would apply to as well, but I think that Jerry Palm is really the first kind of maybe super respected voice out there that's not, you know, myself or – or, or you know, yourself that's in Oklahoma, a voice out there that maybe would be picking the Sooners to the college football playoff. Jerry Palm likes Oklahoma to go to the college football playoff? I'm yeah, intrigued. so, yeah, and his recent uh, bowl projections for the 2022 season had Oklahoma coming in as the four seed in the college football playoff and will and would have would be facing Alabama in the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. So, I mean – to me, I mean, it's as, it's as plausible of a bet as anybody, really. You know, I, I feel like the only real locks seem to be Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia. I mean, depending on how things fall on the schedule, like those are the three teams you pretty consistent, consistently see in the college football playoff in most projections. You might see a Clemson thrown in there. Sometimes you might see like a Michigan or a Notre Dame. And every once in a while, there's a USC, but it's very, very rare. But for Oklahoma, I feel like it's as plausible as anybody, you know, that's kind of one of those fringe teams, those second, third tier teams. Oklahoma is as plausible a choice for the four seed as anybody. Yeah, if you're – I don't even know if – you know, it's crazy to say about a team that's the defending national champion and, oh, by the way, they've got their starting quarterback back as the defending national champion, it's a little bit wild to say, and and I agree with you in theory that Georgia's kind of right there, regarded as one of those top three teams, along with both Alabama and Ohio State, but I don't know that they're thought of to get to the college football playoff in the same way, in in the same vein that both Alabama and Ohio State are, because guess what? They got to get through Alabama, we think, right? Now, I know that we're coming off a season where both Alabama and Georgia made the college football playoff, but that is a little bit potentially of an obstacle there for Georgia to get into the college football playoff is getting by big, bad Alabama. So beyond that, if you start getting into teams three and four, you know, yeah, I would think that 
Oklahoma is a pretty reasonable option just based on the fact that, okay, the non-conference portion of the schedule, John, we've talked a lot about this. Yeah, yeah, you got Nebraska, you got the trip up there to Lincoln on the non-conference portion of the schedule, but you're not like Ohio State. You're not playing Notre Dame in the non-conference. So that, you know, let's start there. That's favorable, John, for Oklahoma. Yeah, and then you look at the rest of the schedule and the toughest games that they have, Oklahoma State, Baylor, they have them in Norman. Yes, you got some a road trip to uh, Morgantown to face West Virginia, to Ames to face Iowa State, and then you got to go to Lubbock as well. And so things get a little bit weird sometimes you get down there in Lubbock. But, I mean, those teams aren't necessarily your cream of the crop in the Big 12. And so if you're having to make road trips to some potentially difficult places to play, at least you're, you're finding these teams in what might be at least projected to be a down year for, for some of them. Uh, West Virginia is kind of one of my dark horse teams in the Big 12, but I still don't necessarily think that they're as talented as Oklahoma. And so I, I, I like that we're seeing Oklahoma projected there. I mean, to me, that is kind of what we talked about last week with the coaches poll in that Oklahoma is a respectable program. They're a team that if they can get through the season with no fewer or no more than one loss on, the, on their record – then they're going to have as good a shot as anybody to make it into the college football playoff. A lot of it's going to depend on if, if they end up losing a game, who it's to and how egregious the loss is. Uh, I think, you know, they didn't, they weren't looked too kindly at when they lost to Baylor. And honestly, they were really weren't looked too favorably upon when they were undefeated. And so I think Oklahoma, they, they're going to have to go out and, and we talked about it last week too, that they're going to have to go out and really, like have some pretty big blowout wins over some respectable teams to get the respect, I think, for from a lot of the voters and, and the college football playoff committee as well, because I think it's kind of maybe some playoff um, oversaturation for Oklahoma. Just They're just kind of burnt out on Oklahoma being in the playoff. Now it's been a couple of years since that's happened, so maybe Brent Venables gets kind of a fresh start and a fresh, a clean slate as far as the committee is concerned. But I think they got to really you know make statements along the way, not just win close games, not just, you know, squeak by in certain situations, but I make statements on the, on the way to what we hope will be a big 12 championship uh, return and a big 12 championship win. So yeah, I, I like their chances again, as good as anybody outside of, you know, Alabama and Ohio state. I think those are the two that you could pretty much put in ink in the college football playoff. Obviously you got to play the season out, Anything could happen, but if you're going to put some money on it, those two would be pretty safe bets. Uh, but then after, outside of that, it, I think it could be any number of teams taking the three and four seeds. You mentioned it like, yes, Georgia, they won the national championship, but they lost a lot of really talented pieces. Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean off their defense and amongst other players as well. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how good that Georgia defense is going to be going into the 2022 season. But again, Oklahoma is going to be right there with that next kind of set of teams after Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia. Well, let's hope that Jerry Palm is on to something, John, and Oklahoma is a team to be reckoned with in terms of getting that three in obviously his forecast here, the four seed where they would match up with Alabama. I think you you do look at, you know, the Clemsons of the world, I think. Sure, USC, that's been a trendy pick, but really just the Pac-12 in general, right? The Pac-12 champ, Utah, Oregon, those are other teams that potentially would come to mind for one of those final couple of bids. The Big 12 teams that OU is competing against, Baylor, Oklahoma State, you have to think about them a little bit. Notre Dame, you mentioned. Uh, it'll be interesting. You know, one item that you touched on, 
is curious to think about. And if Jerry Palm is on to something here with Oklahoma, we, we worried a little bit about Oklahoma fatigue, right? We were starting to kind of sense that and feel that from the college football playoff committee that, yeah, Oklahoma is this program. And part of the reason that Jerry Palm likes OU, I'm sure, to get to the college football playoff is, guess what? We've seen OU do it as much as uh, anybody not named Alabama, right? Or, you know, Clemson. Oklahoma's been that next program. They've been there four times. They went once with Bob Stoops and three times with Lincoln Riley. And so, yeah, they've shown us they can get there. The unfortunate thing for Oklahoma, John, is that they've shown us they don't win in the college football playoff. And quite frankly, a couple of these appearances in the CFP for OU have been embarrassing blowout loss variety or just games that were controlled by the opposition. Now, what you touched on there, the Britt Venables factor, does that kind of you know rope and reel back in the college football playoff committee the further we get into this season, if OU's in the mix? Is that intriguing enough to fight and push back against that narrative that was kind of building out there that, man, if it's between OU and somebody else, Let's not let OU in because I do think that, yeah, there's a little bit of credence to the fact that that was working against Oklahoma, potentially. Yeah, and we'll only know this as the season goes along, but it's going to take Oklahoma winning a lot of games. And one of the questions that we really have going into this season, and I think you look at the teams that make it to the college football playoff regularly, they have elite units. Whether like Alabama last year, their wide receiver group was absolutely tremendous with Jamison Williams and John Mechie. And then obviously they got the Heisman Trophy winner in Bryce Young. When Oklahoma made it to the playoffs, you know the quarterback was elite for them. Uh, when they had C.D. Lamb and Marquise Brown running routes and, and Mark Andrews, like their pass catchers were elite. Uh, one year, I mean, they had four offensive linemen get drafted. I mean, that was an elite unit that they had going to the college football playoffs. So, what unit for the Oklahoma Sooners has to absolutely be elite? Like they are one of the best units in college football at that position. Interesting. Interesting question. A lot of different directions you can go with this. Uh, Quarterback, I think you got to be really good there. So you you start with Dylan Gabriel, and obviously you touched on it. Oklahoma's previous trips to the college football playoff have, and it's no surprise, but they've been synonymous with Heisman Trophy winning quarterback play or Heisman Trophy finalist quarterback play every single one right baker mayfield in 2015 baker mayfield in 2017 kyler murray in 18 and jalen hurts the year after that so probably even though it hasn't worked out for oklahoma you start there with dylan gabriel's got to be that kind of guy one thing that i thought was interesting last week and teddy layman on the rush brought this up that uh, he had been to practice and one of the position groups that performed the best and that he heard had performed the best from both coaching staffs for Oklahoma, John, both offense and defense, the coaching staffs for OU, was the offensive line. And I've got a ton of thoughts that we could share on that maybe later in the week because I'm not sure that that's necessarily a great sign for Oklahoma based on the way last year played out, but that's neither here nor there. Let's, let's just take that and run with it, right? That would be an outstanding position group to be Oklahoma's best in 2022, John. Like, if that's true, and Oklahoma has made these leaps and bounds differences from last season across the offensive line, then I think that sets Oklahoma up to have a great chance to be in the college football playoff. I I do. And I think 
if we're looking strictly at the Big 12 schedule, they're going to need the offensive line to be really, really good, if not elite. Because you look at Baylor, Siaki Ika, one of the best defensive players, if not one of the best players in the conference. You look at Kansas State, Felix Anaduke Azuma, the edge rusher, Iowa State, Will McDonald. I mean, there's a lot of really, really good defensive players. Oklahoma State, there's a kid over there that's – I can't remember his name. I'm blanking on it now. Had a fantastic year last year. He's coming back and probably have another great year this year. Oklahoma's offensive line is going to be tested every single week in the Big 12 play. And, again, in Nebraska, when they go to Lincoln, they'll have to face off against O'Shawn Mathis, who was really, really good for TCU before transferring to the Cornhuskers. So that's going to be a unit that has to play better than it did last year. It was good in spurts. It had some really good moments. But there were times where it kind of let the running game down, let the quarterback down. If they can find more consistency throughout the season, I think that's going to set them up a lot better for this season. But they're going to have to to win a lot of these matchups at times, get Dylan Gabriel protection, get Eric Gray some running room. Because if we know anything about this team, they want balance. But if you can't run the football, that's going to make it a lot harder on your quarterback. If your quarterback doesn't get protection, it's going to make it harder on everybody. And so – the offensive line has to be really, really good. Can they get by with just a good offensive line and get to the college football playoff? I think so. But definitely if they're elite, that definitely makes things a lot simpler. I want to look at the wide receiver group. You know, going into last year, I was really high on this group. I thought it had a, a lot of really nice depth with Jaden Hazelwood, you know, Marvin Mims, Theo Weiss. Theo Weiss gets injured. That kind of you know puts a knock on it. You got Michael Woods who came over from Arkansas and had a good season the year before there. Uh, and then Mario Williams at this time last year was making plays in fall camp. And you're like, okay, maybe this is a guy that has a chance to contribute. But then it just never, it was kind of underwhelming. Like you'd have a good game from a great game from Marvin Mims here and there, but the rest of the group, I just felt like it was kind of, eh, it was kind of okay. You know, Mario Williams, I think had one like hundred yard season or hundred yard game. Um, but it didn't really like explode. It didn't dominate games. It didn't take over games aside from Marvin Mims taking over the Texas game. I, I don't, I still don't think we give him enough credit for some of the, the highlight real catches he made in those 50, 50 situations, but it was never like, this is the best wide receiver group in the big 12. This is a, a team, a unit that can take over. And I think they have to be that this year. We know Marvin Mims is really, really good. We think he's got the potential to be great, but as a unit, as a whole, they have to be a dominant force especially in an offense that is going to throw the ball a ton and Dylan Gabriel, a quarterback that's going to get the ball downfield. If they're not winning their one-on-one matchups or not finding soft spots in zones, that's going to make it harder on everybody in the offense. It's going to make things really tricky for Dylan Gabriel to get the ball out on time. And like we just talked about with the offensive line, if he's not getting the ball out on time, how much protection is he going to be able to have to, to work in the backfield and scramble around and find space to continue to wait on the wide receivers to get open. So, you know, a lot of the offensive stuff works in concert, but I think if the wide receiver group is elite and they're able to win their one-on-one matchups with regularity, then this offense is going to soar. Like it's not going to have any stumbles along the way. There's not going to be any issues. And I mean, you can say, we can say it starts up front, but I think, if the wide receivers are getting open quick, like they're supposed to in some of this, you know, short area passing game stuff, the RPO stuff, then the offense is going to just fly and they're going to, in order to run fast and to play fast, like they want to play, you've got to get first downs. You've got to get that first, first down and you got to make completions. You can't like have incompletions and then still try to play fast. It just doesn't work as well. So 
they're going to have to be an efficient group. And that's a lot of that is going to hinge upon the wide receivers being dominant on the field. Mac Jones, Joe Burrow have a lot to do with what has happened with a couple of our recent national champions, but even just to your point, there has been a little bit of a, I think, shift in college football to where, you know, for the longest time, all we heard was, you know, defense wins championships and hey, yeah, you can have this high flying offense, but does a high flying offense really go and win you a national championship? And I still believe you got to have both. I mean, I just look, I know that's cliche and it's well, no duh, you want to be good at both. But you look at what Georgia did last season, obviously they won a national championship in large part because of what they were able to do defensively, right? The star power that they had on that side of the football. And then just the road graders they had up front offensively. So this would fly in the face of what I'm about to say next, but the Alabama and LSU national championships that we've seen of late, John, you had Devontae Smith, right? Who was uh, the best player in America, arguably, certainly the best wide receiver. And then you had that trio of wide receivers at LSU that just, well, we know at Oklahoma, they victimized Oh, you, we, well, they terrorized the Sooners. So we saw that firsthand. So to your point, yeah, I mean, you need NFL guys at wide receiver. And I think you got one in Marvin Mims. I think you got another guy in Theo Weiss that could become that. Maybe Jaleel Farouk, we'll see. And then one of these freshmen, Nick Anderson, Jaden Gibson, you need one of those guys to be, again, that NFL type guy. So I, I love it. I, I think wide receiver is a sneaky pick when we start having this conversation and then the final position group for me, look, we can talk all we want about, Oh, you needs to improve in the secondary, John. But ultimately, you know what I just said about Georgia a little bit too, you got to be great on the defensive line. I just think that, you know, any team that wins national championships, they have at least one superstar on the defensive line. You, you just see it time and time again. So to me, if you're talking about, make the college football playoff, and then not just make it, but win in the college football playoff, then guess what? Jalen Redmond needs to be an All-American type. He needs to have that type of jump. Uh, Jeffrey Johnson needs to be a difference maker. Ethan Downs, Marcus Stripling, Reggie Grimes, that trio of guys, John, they've got to be great if Oklahoma wants to be the type of football team that you, I, everybody wants to see Oklahoma being this season and beyond. Yeah, and I think especially in the new Big 12 that we're seeing where it's not this spread offense, high-flying, everybody's scoring 40 points a game, you know, teams are kind of ground and pounding a little bit more. You need your defensive line to be good. And, and we spent a ton of time on our last episode talking about Jalen Redmond in particular and how he's projected to be you know one of the 50 breakout players according to Athlon Sports. So make sure you go watch that episode. But, yeah, I think you're right. You know, if the defensive front is – elite it's going to get the Oklahoma Sooners to the college football playoff the on the defensive side of the football that's the one that really has to stand out and be head and shoulders above everybody else that they face especially on, on the offensive line that Baylor game I mean that's going to be the test on the season for the Oklahoma Sooners I and mean, they're bringing back four out of their five starters from last year a couple of the best offensive linemen in college football I mean that's going to be a huge test and I'm, I'm I know they're looking forward to that one and they're looking forward to to getting something back, you know, against a, a Baylor team that honestly dominated Oklahoma last year. Uh, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing that one. Can they, can they show something differently? Can they be better than they were a year ago? And, uh, you know, coming up next, we're going to talk about a fan question that uh, who's going to be the backup quarterback for the Oklahoma Sooners this year. We got some thoughts. 
Oklahoma had to make some moves to make sure they had some insurance behind Dylan Gabriel. But let me talk to you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. They're fantastic. If you haven't tried the Built Puffs, you've missed out. They got cookie dough chunk puffs. They have a light and chewy texture with real cookie dough chunks. And of course, they're 100% covered in chocolate. They taste great and they're great for you with only 160 calories and a whopping 15 grams of protein. Low calorie, low sugar, high in protein. It's the perfect snack for you pre-workout, late in the day when you're just needing to pick me up to get you from lunch to dinner. Built Bar is a great way to do that. So go to built.com, use promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your next order over at built.com using promo code LOCKED15. And thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We appreciate you subscribing to the show wherever you get your podcast and over on YouTube as well. Hit the like button, hit the notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. And Josh, the question that came in is, who's going to be the backup quarterback for the Oklahoma Sooners? I feel like we've kind of discussed this in previous episodes, you know, maybe a couple months ago, but let's let's talk about it again. Who do you think is going to stand out and be that number two guy for the Oklahoma Sooners? I think it's going to be Nick Evers, and that's just because, look, he's the first quarterback that, outside of Dylan Gabriel, first quarterback not named Dylan Gabriel, that Jeff Levy really went and recruited hard to get to Oklahoma. Right. And I think he's the, if he's not the, you know, if he's not the most talented, then he's the second most talented in my mind, uh, a quarterback that's currently on campus for Oklahoma. He's not the second most experienced John that could be Davis Bevel or, you know, general booty. We'll see. But to me, or Mike, Micah Bowens, right. Might be more is more experienced than uh, obviously Nick Evers. But to me, comes down to talent and strictly talent alone. And the fact that, guess what? Nick Evers was an early enrollee. So that helps him a little bit in that regard too. It's not as though, uh, or as if he's only trying to play catch up here throughout the fall. He's been on campus. He was a part of the initial install, John. So that works to his advantage, I think. And again, just gets back to talent for me. I think some of this is going to depend on situation a little bit. You know, who's the guy that you feel more comfortable with coming in mid-game if you need him to? I probably would feel more comfortable with Davis Bevel as my number two guy. If Dylan Gabriel were to go down and I need a guy to get me through the rest of the game or potentially try to win that game, I'm not trying to throw Nick Evers out there in the middle of a game, not having taken all the QB1 snaps, you know, throughout the week in the game plan process. So give me the guy that's got the most experience and has, you know, been effective. I mean, I think he completed something like 70% of his passes uh, at Pitt. So that would be my choice, but I see what you're saying about Nick Evers. Now, if I've got time to get him ready, you know, like Dylan Gabriel goes down and I need Nick Evers next week. You know, I've got Davis Bevel got me through the game. We're going to have a quarterback competition. If Nick Evers wins it, like, then yeah, I I feel great going into the game with Nick Evers. You know, Jeff Levy talked about how he has a, a ton of talent when he met with the media last week. And so, there's a, a huge comfort level with that. I mean, the story that came out after Nick Evers committed and signed was that the first phone call that Jeff Levy made after getting through with his HR paperwork was to Nick Evers. And then he drove down to Flower Mound, Texas, met with the family, and made it a done deal. I mean, Evers signed in the early signing period with the Oklahoma Sooners. Like, it was like that. Like, he made it happen. And so, yeah, I think there's a talent there. There's a relationship there, a trust level there. Um, 
but yeah, given given time to get them ready throughout the week, get them through a full week of QB one reps, then I'd feel much more comfortable going into that that game with Nick Evers at quarterback. But again, if I'm having to go to a guy, I'm have to bring somebody in because Dylan Gabriel goes down, whether it's for a series or for a quarter or a half or whatever then give me the guy that's able to, to do that. I mean, he showed that in the bowl season this last year when um, – oh, man, who's the – Pittman. At, no, not Pittman. Out at Pitt. Um, uh, Sam Howell at Pitt. Oh, there you go. Kenny Pickett at Pitt. Um, when he went down, Davis Bevel was able to come in and play. No, Kenny Pickett didn't even play. Did he? Anyway, that was, that was a season ago. Give me Davis Bevel. I like what he can do. I like that he's got the experience. He's got reps at the FBS level in some games. You know, it was just a bowl game, but still, that's reps against live action against Division One players. So, I like it. I, I like that they have options, and I think that's something that they needed to do coming out of the spring game. As good as Nick Evers can be, the spring game was not his finest moment. But I think that's not definitive of who he can be with the Oklahoma Sooners. I mean. The guy had only been on campus for a few months, been in the system for a few months. I think given more time, he's going to look really, really good as the quarterback at Oklahoma. General Booty, I think it's an intriguing option, but I just don't necessarily think that he's going to have the the requisite um, skill. And and I mean, he could be. I mean, he could be just as good as Davis Bevel or anybody. I mean, he's got a lot of had a lot of production at the JUCO level, and so there's definitely an option there, but. I think for me, it'd be Davis Bevel, Nick Evers, General Booty. I would say right now, probably a really healthy gap from number one in Dylan Gabriel to then everybody at two, three, four, five. And then I would say probably between, you know, number two and number three right now for Oklahoma's quarterback depth chart, maybe not a ton of difference between those guys. So you're kind of probably splitting hairs. Again, like I said, I'm a little bit just going off of what we see in terms of the star talent coming in. And again, what you talked about a little bit there, just how badly Jeff Levy went out of his way and how badly he wanted Nick Evers to be an Oklahoma Sooner. That indicates to me a little bit that, okay, he thinks this kid's pretty talented. Now, granted, you got other guys that are a little bit more experienced, but I'm I'm pretty strong. I'm staying put. Nick Evers, your backup quarterback. But I think we're all in agreement. Let's not have to spend too much time in 2022 figuring out which backup is, in fact, better knock on wood for Oklahoma. Let's just stick with the starter in Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, the best, ca- the best backup quarterback is the one you don't have to play. So – um, yeah, I, I think I think they got options. I think you're right, though, that they probably don't even know who the backup quarterback is yet because they're all so close. So we'll find out more as the fall camp continues along. We'll get a depth chart at some point in time, I believe, uh, before they line up to play against UTEP. And, and those first couple games, we'll kind of get a bit of a feeling on how they feel about these quarterbacks, who comes off the bench um, when Oklahoma's up 40 to nothing on UTEP. And they're trying to get some more guys some reps. We'll see. Uh, But that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thank you so much for tuning in wherever you get your podcasts. Again, we're free and available on all platforms. Make sure you go check us out on YouTube as well. Subscribe to the show there. Leave us a like and a comment. Let us know. Who do you think is going to be the backup quarterback for the Oklahoma Sooners? Do you think that there's a chance that the Oklahoma Sooners make the college football playoff? What unit has to be elite for the Oklahoma Sooners to make the college football playoff? 
let us know in the replies over there on YouTube. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner.